0: The following is a Kingfisher Media production. This week's guest, Amber Rose Washington, shares with us her personal journey of transformation, growth,
1: opportunity, and matters of the heart. I cannot tell you what a privilege it has been to get to know her, the woman I now call my friend. Enjoy this week's episode, which includes practical tips from Amber herself for overcoming everyday adversities.
0: When we take the time to talk to strangers, we realize fairly quickly that we have more in common than we have in conflict. These people that seem so different end up looking so much more the same than we could have ever anticipated, opening the door for us to look at them and think, this is what I like about you. My name is AC Fisher and with me is my co-host Alexis Erlin. Joining us today is one of the most Interesting and accomplished guests, I think that we've had on the show to date. Amber Rose Washington is the author of an amazing book called Hiding from Myself, My Complicated Rebirth into Womanhood and My Own Skin. Now I could spend a lot of time talking her up, but I think instead of doing that, I'm just going to hand things over to her and let her introduce herself in her own words.
1: Hi guys. It's really great to be here and I'm really happy you had me on your show. My name is Amber Rose Washington and I spent the past 28 years of my life in the music business, working with a whole host of people. I'm now an author, as you alluded to. And I also, you know, grew up different than most people. I, at a very young age, recognized that I was not like the other kids. And most of us actually know who we are by the age of articulation, that being between three and eight years old. And it's a subconscious thing for people that are born congruent, we call it. And for me, I was born incongruent, which means my brain and my body didn't match up correctly. And that's something that happens medically during gestation. And there's a term for it today and it's called transgender. So, I am what you would call a post-operative transgender woman. I am also within many different professions. I guess I have what you—I guess what you would call it was occupational ADD, right? So <laughs> I, I am yeah. I, um, between authorship, I'm writing two books in tandem right now to go on top of the other book that I wrote. But they're—they're they're more you know novels. But between that, there was the the music business where I was. A songwriter, a musician, a producer, a voiceover artist, a vocal coach, a beginner vocal coach. And, you know, this host of other things that I did in there. I was sort of like wearing a lot of different hats at the same time Mm -hmm. and got an opportunity to work with a lot of cool people from HBO and. You know, in Hollywood, it was really fun. Then I, I got an apartment in Nashville and worked with a lot of the people that I was most afraid of most of my life, to tell you the truth, because I was scared. Like, you know, I'm trans and how is the you know, country music market or, or those types of people going to take me? And quite yeah. frankly, it was the most wonderful time of my life. They're all a bunch of wonderful people. Yeah, really. They really are. And I actually worked with other people within the LGBT while I was in my stint in Nashville. And it was such a... a a crazy time it was so fun you know
0: that
1: sounds like that sounds great like it sounds like an, a really exciting time like in, in a person's life like when you know you're all of a sudden exposed to all these different people and not just that but you start to realize that hey
0: maybe these people aren't like how i thought they were
1: yeah it- <laughs> yeah yeah it's interesting because my whole life I've been afraid of people because and this is this is my life is really a story of how to overcome adversity because mm-hmm. from a very young age I knew I was different didn't quite know what that meant but I I had a conversation with my mom and it was during prayers because I was I was brought up catholic and you know we would sit well not sit but we would kneel by the bed and She would say, let's say our prayers. And then, you know, I, I would say, (laughs) I would say my prayers with her, you know, religiously, you know, no pun intended. Well, maybe there is pun intended. (laughs) And, and it would be, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. And mom Mm -hmm. would say, okay, honey, now give us your own prayer. Like talk to God. Just say anything you want. And I didn't know what the heck to say. I mean, I'm four years old, right? So I looked to her and she says, okay, let me help you. Say, God bless my mom and my dad and my sister. So I would say all these things. And then she goes, see what I mean? I'll just say the first thing that pops into your head and talk to God. And I said, I put my hands to my forehead, leaned into the bed. And then I said, God, please fix me by the morning. And my mom goes, oh, honey. What's the matter? No. Are you sick? And she puts her hand to my forehead. And I was like, no, I'm not sick. I, um, I just don't understand. You know, I've, I, I, uh, there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you, honey. And then she says, what, what's really bothering you? And I started crying and I said to her, mom, am I a boy and a girl? And the reason I asked that was because I was being treated like a boy, but my brain was telling me I was a girl. And, right. and when you're four years old, you don't know anatomy. You don't know the difference between all these different things that people sort of allude to uh, in our society now. And what people now in society are starting to learn finally, you know, we're playing catch up all the time, is that it's it's typically the things you can't see that that define a human being it's not our genitalia it's not any of that stuff it's your the, the most complex organ in, in the universe the brain right so mm-hmm. they said oh that must be mental you must be mental no I'm, we found out that there's a physiological difference this is so cool because a lot of people don't really know this because maybe they don't want to know but in the first trimester of pregnancy it's it's so neat your body mm-hmm. your body differentiates and your' your reproductive organs they they differentiate during that first trimester but the part they don't know is that in the second trimester your brain starts to physically differentiate we know that in a natal female the the cortical region the cortex is thick it's it's very thick but in a male it's thin right mm-hmm. and you t- you look at a cross section of transgender people and their brains resemble the gender of, of where they, they sit in the spectrum. So my brain would have a thick cortex like any other woman. And it's because that second trimester of pregnancy really didn't go so well for one reason or another, my body rejected the hormones that were being given to me at that part. And that's why when you wake up in the morning or AC, when you woke up in the morning, you have never once for a millisecond in your life had to say, gee, I wonder why, you know, Alexis, I wonder why I'm in a girl's body and not a boy's body. Or or conversely, AC, I wonder why I'm in a boy's body, and not a girl's body. That sort of stuff never crossed your mind because you're congruent. Right. right? So the real medical diagnosis for someone like me is we suffer from incongruity. And that is where the brain is actually wired physically different than the body. And it's it's in the same spectrum area. It's not the same as, but in the same spectrum areas, people that are intersex. Intersex means you're born with ambiguous genitalia, right? Mm-hmm. This is, you know, I hope this is a comfortable conversation for everyone. No, it is. No, it's, it's, we're all gonna I, need a I, <laughs> I, I can't honestly
0: say it's comfortable because it's it's emotionally moving what you're what you're talking about. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: I I'm honestly surprised by how much emotion is hitting me right now like I don't know like how clear my camera is but like tears uh, like oh. running down my face right <laughs> I now. I
1: see but, it. You're making me cry now. <laughs> um,
0: because oh. there there's parts of your story that I think like anybody can identify with, you know, like feelings of I don't fit in, feelings like I'm different or there's something wrong with me. But compared to your experience like my experience I, I think probably only scratches the surface of those feelings and if I think about how big those things have been for me like especially in my younger formative years yeah how intolerably huge they felt like just thinking about you as a young girl stuck in the wrong body and having to struggle with this stuff it's like, you can't just pretend like okay maybe this is all in my head maybe i'm blowing it out of proportion it's like when you are absolutely freaking sure of your gender and your body is telling a different story like how the hell does a young kid deal with something like that thank you for listening to what i like about you please remember to like follow and share
1: It's really hard. And at the time that it happens, I grew up in the 70s and 80s, so there was no freaking internet. We didn't have anything. You know who I had to talk to for therapy? A deer. I mean, I lived in upstate New York where there were more deer than people. It was really isolated. And I thought I was the only human being going through this. And, And to your point, you know, a lot of people try to say, You should have just tried to be a kid. Kids shouldn't be thinking about stuff like that. And for the most part, whether they know it or not, they are correct because we don't consciously think of these things. It's only when you're suffering from incongruity that you think of these things. So Mm -hmm. 99.3% of the human population never have to give it a single thought. And I was hit with a double whammy. Most people know there's a difference between gender identity and sexual orientation. Sexual orientation is who am I attracted to and, Mm -hmm. and where I, you know, and and not only who am I attracted to, but who do I want to go to bed with eventually? Right. Mm -hmm. And then, and then gender identity is who am I and who do I want to go to bed as? Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, for most people, that's not a problem and it all fits together like a jigsaw puzzle perfectly. And for me, it was just this, this Rubik's cube that could never get solved. Right. Yeah. I would find these little moments of time. I remember my sister was in ballet and I just was so jealous because she could grow her hair nice and long. And she had, a. there was something called Holly hobby. It was Mm -hmm. this beautiful (laughs) doll with this big bonnet on her head. That was her wallpaper. And she had this gorgeous, gorgeous white canopy bed. And I couldn't get a canopy bed until I was an adult. Right. I didn't get one until I was all grown up, but you know, (laughs) She had this gorgeous canopy bed and, and all this. And I was so jealous of, of everything about she was doing. And she'd go to these ballet classes and she'd come home and she'd be practicing. And I'd like watch every single step that she would make, like every nuance of everything she learned. And then 10 minutes later, I would excuse myself and say, I'm going to go upstairs and play in my bedroom, but I wouldn't go there. I would go to my sister's room and I'd put, I'd put her whole uniform on. And I'd stand in front of a full length mirror and I would practice everything that I had just learned downstairs. Almost, you know, in my own mind, was I doing it correct? I don't know, but I was sure trying like hell to do it the way she did it because that was the only outlet I had. No, you know, who, who at four or five, six, seven, eight, nine, even 10 years old, even knows the nomenclature to use for, for this sort of thing. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. It just yeah. didn't exist back then. So. Yeah. It just, it is what it is and you don't know why. Yeah. So my yeah. double whammy was I, I, here's how I say it. I never felt like a girl and I never mm-hmm. felt female ever. I knew I was a girl. There's a huge mm-hmm. difference between the, those two statements. You hear it immediately. Mm-hmm. So one, it's not a feeling because who we are is just an innate sense of self. But I was also, do you remember the movie Greece? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you guys, you guys saw it. I'm sure. Right. Oh,
0: Sure. So oh, sure. when I went
1: to see it with my mom and dad and my sister, we saw it. And, and afterwards I was just so enthralled with the movie. And when we're talking to our friends at school, they would say, you know, did you see Greece? And and the boys, of course, would go, oh, Olivia Newton-John, she's hot or whatever. And, <laughs> yeah. and then I would break into, you know, with the boys, you know, I would break into, oh, I, I love those summer dresses that she was wearing. Like every scene she was in a different one. And did you guys notice those ribbons in her hair, the, those silk ribbons? And they were like a different color in every scene. How did they do that? And they looked at me and they turned around and looked and said, what <laughs> they didn't know where <laughs> I was coming from, but when I had the same conversation with the girls, they were like, Oh yeah, it was so adorable and blah, blah. and <laughs> and then we would talk about John Travolta, right? The boys uh-huh. they stayed the hell away from talking about John Travolta, <laughs> right. right? But the girls right. we all talked about John Travolta, he was he was cute and we all wanted to be his girlfriend, and and then I would mm-hmm. say something and they would go, You can't be his girlfriend because you're a boy. And it really Bothered me because at that age I already knew I was attracted to guys, and mm-hmm. you know I was attracted to girls too, which was a little confusing. But then I figured it out very quickly that they just possessed something I couldn't have, so I didn't want to be with them. I wanted to be them. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> There's a big difference, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, it, it's sort of like a girl. I, I have a friend who was born with a mal- sh- malformed uterus, so she could never have children ever. And mm-hmm. she wanted children so bad. She wanted to be pregnant and do all that. And it was so sad to watch her go through this, but she eventually adopted, which was fabulous because she deserved out of everyone to be a mom. And mm. she ended up adopting because she couldn't do it. And so it's that sort of feeling. Like when you don't have what, you know, you need as a human being, that's the one thing you want the most. And, and I used to get teased because The girls would be, you know, hitting puberty before the boys. And Mm -hmm. I would say, God, I would, I'm left handed and I would give my left arm to experience one period and they'd all laugh and go, Oh my God, you don't want (laughs) to do that. It's horrible. It's terrible. But when you don't have it, you really, you would give anything to experience that because it, it gives you that miracle of life feeling that I am fertile i am ready to to be able to to do that because i always loved kids and Mm. and it it was just an interesting thing so coming out of the the closet idea that most people have Uh transgender people don't come out of the closet you know when i give public speeches i i tell them we come out of the deep dark dank basement Mm -hmm. we come from a different place right we're Mm -hmm. not from the closet the closet is is great and all but you know, we're from a deeper place because there seems to be this strange thing in society. It's one thing to hear, you know, you're, you know, for people that are gay, you know, they they start, you know, the religious types will start with, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah and silly stuff. And, and then, you know, political people will say something else and then ignorant people will say something else. But with transgender people, they just, they throw their arms up in the air and say, there's just no way I'm ever going to understand this. So My job, you know, especially recently is to come up with a platform that can teach people, you know, really what is it? And how do we dismantle the misinformation that's so widespread out there and the dangerous mythology that's getting people like me discriminated against, repressed, persecuted, profiled, bullied, verbally assaulted, physically assaulted, threatened with death. And in the worst cases, actually killed just because of the way we were born. It's right. so goofy that people are that triggered by, by that sort of thing. So I had to overcome all of that in order to do the music business and everything else. I had to, I had to go through such heartache and, and trigger warning, trigger warning, turn down your volume if you don't like this. I went through an episode of where I was going to leave the planet by my own hands. And that was at the age of 14. It was because I had already experienced a boyfriend at that point. And that same boyfriend beat me up in school and made an example out of me after about nine months. And, you know, it destroyed me because not only am I incongruent and having a really hell of a time trying to fit in everywhere and pretend, pretend to everybody who I am instead of who I really am, but I'm not worthy of love. I guess I'm not worthy of love. So I remember this one time. In my bedroom, I grabbed like every single pill case out of the the closet in the bathroom. I didn't know what they were. They could have been like diuretics or something, <laughs> yeah. and I, I would have, you know, shot myself all night long. But you know, to me, what I grabbed was was really my my end all. And I remember right before I was about to get started with that horrible thing, my dad knocked on a door, and he opens the door immediately, and. I cover everything up so that he can't see it. And he says, listen, it's going to be below zero tonight. You need to go outside and grab some firewood. And we need to get this going now because the wind's picking up. So mm-hmm. get ready. I'll meet you down there in five minutes. And he closes the door. <laughs> right. So at that point, he sort of broke that little trance that I was in. And I put all the pills back into the, the medicine cabinet, got myself dressed, got my boots on, Got got my hat on, my... Mittens, everything. And I went outside and helped him bring firewood in. And I had a revelation at that age of 14 that said, there really must be a God because how did my dad show up at exactly that moment? There was some sort of synchronicity that happened that the universe spoke and said, you're supposed to be here, honey. Don't, don't do this. So whatever that was. Or how I perceived it, I never looked back and I never tried to do that sort of thing again, no matter how difficult my life was.
0: You are listening to What I Like About You. Please remember to like, follow, and share.
1: And it, it, I went through some trials and tribulations with my life, you know, through all the happiness and all the cool shit that I've done. I went through a lot of, a lot of rough stuff that you know in comparison to other trans people no i was a cartoon character compared to them because they went through some real hell you know i can only speak for myself and my own personal hell to me is terrible but there's a lot of trans people out there that have it way worse than i did i actually made a success story out of misery if you will
0: what a lot of people who who listen to this show probably don't know is that my oldest identifies as trans what most people who know me already know is i've got my my oldest niece is openly out and gay and when she when when my when my son came out as my daughter i i went immediately to my my gay niece i thought like okay you're a member of the lgbtq community you're going to be the person who's got answers for me. Can you help me wrap my head around this thing? It's like speaking from my perspective is like acceptance was okay. Understanding like that's an ongoing challenge. I just don't get it. And talking to my niece thinking she's going to magically provide some insight because she's in this community. I mean, even she looked at me as like trans people do even in our community are kind of like this weird little fringe group that most people just don't really understand. And it kind of woke me up to this like horrible idea that a lot of trans people can't even fit in where they probably should fit in. Like have have you had any experience with that?
1: Yeah. So a lot of people that I interface with in the trans community because I'm an advocate and I've worked with thousands of people in, in, in the community. Incidentally, I've never really thought of myself part of the LGBTQ. That's the weird part of, a, of, of my situation is even though I'm part of the LGBTQ, I didn't really go to my first pride parade until two years ago. I, I just, I never really thought, you know, I'm like that because I always viewed myself as a heterosexual female. That's mm-hmm. it. There was Mm -hmm. no nothing different ever. But the weird part for society is that I assimilated and conformed to what society thought I should be rather than who I was. This is the lesson Mm -hmm. to be learned in my book. And what happened was I ended up marrying women. I was not even attracted to them on that level, but I would marry. I married three times, right? I have four boys. I (sighs) have four boys ranging in age from 26, 16, 15, and six. I'm not going to name their names for protection and all that, but, but you know, if you want to know the definition of insanity, it's keep doing the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Right. Right. So (laughs) I, I told every single person I was ever with, including just regular people I would date who I was, I would say, I have this thing, they call it gender dysphoria. You know, and back in the day, it was called gender identity disorder, and they used to think it was a mental, you know, health issue, even though the mental health issue at the time was considered the same as anxiety or depression on, on a on a scale from zero to mm-hmm. one hundred, right? Right. But you know, that's sixty five million Americans that suffer from that. So I, you know, I'm yeah. just part of this club, I guess. But then we found out it's not a mental illness or a mental health issue at all. And what had happened to me was I had to explain to them in gory detail who I was. And, and it really put them off at first. And we broke up, uh, a couple of us broke up, and then came back together again. And she said, I want to marry you anyway. And I'm like, wow, really? You, well, you're not going to go and, you know, and and they would say derogatory things to me without realizing they were hurting my feelings. You're not going to lob it off, are you? I mean, they, they turned it all into genitalia rather than, who i really am it doesn't matter what 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 reproductive organs i have the fact of the matter is is that you know my brain is identical and you know unfortunately i'd have to die and you'd have to do an autopsy on me just to see the the difference right you know we won't cut you open just yet yeah (laughs) (laughs) so it was just so bizarre to have to teach these folks this stuff and Quite honestly, um out of the three, the second one was the best out of all of them and she was uh, a vocalist as, as well, this poor girl. During her high school graduation, uh her name is Christine, she was getting ready to be the lead character in in a high school play. And I'm going to get this wrong. I think it was Guys and Dolls. You know, she'll she'll kill me if she listens to this and I get it wrong, but I think it was Guys <laughs> and Dolls. And she was one of the lead characters in this. And in the morning of, of that that play, her house burned down while she was in it. Oh, no. Her dog died while she was in it. I mean, you know, they, they had to run out of the house and the whole thing went up in embers. And just eight hours later, she was performing on that stage, doing her part in the play. She just lost her whole life. And her best friend, that dog, And her, her home, she's homeless, the whole deal. And she still went out there on stage. Talk about someone with determination and perseverance. She was an inspiration to me at that point. And she never realized it because she's so humble. You know, she, she says, eh, that's just, you know, and I was like, no. So what I did right before we, you know, had the whole, let's get married stuff. I took her to New York City and I had, I had been dating one of the lead characters of Miss Saigon. And she was you're right on Broadway. And I so I was friends with everybody in the cast and I would go down there and I said, you know what? I'm gonna bring her here because she always wanted to see what it's like to stand on stage, you know, especially Broadway. Oh my God, that's like a girl's dream to just stand in the middle of where you just watched the number one show. Yeah. So we we leave the place and we go down the street and I make a hard right hand turn, no left hand turn, and she goes, Where are you going? I said, just follow me. Trust me. And about 80 feet down, there's five steps that lead up to the stage door in the back of the theater. And she goes, where are you? You're going to get us in trouble. So (laughs) I walked up the stairs, right? And she's like, oh my God, what are you doing? And I pound on the door and she goes, oh, good God, we're in such trouble. Hmm. The guy opens the door. (laughs) The guy opens the door and I think his name was Jason. I'm having a, a brain fart here. And he says... He says, what can I do for you? Now, I had never met him before. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, my name, I'm not going to dead name myself right now, but actually I will. What the heck? My name was Eddie, right? So I was born. This is bizarre. I was born Edward Ambrose, Washington, right? So very English, very nobility sounding like the complete ass backwards part of who (laughs) I really am. And people ask me, where'd you come up with Amber? And it's really a a conglomeration of slowing down phonetically the middle name Ambrose. Mm -hmm. So you slow down and you get Amber Rose. So it was an easy thing. And I figured that out at eight. But anyway, we go in and he says, oh, yeah, and that must be Christine. And and she's freaking out. Her mouth drops like, how does this guy even know my name? (laughs) Come on in. We're all waiting for you. And she's (laughs) like, oh, my God, what is happening here? It was like one of those weird things where people you know, sit in a, a cafe somewhere and then a hundred dancers come and dance around them. It was sort of that sort of, that sort of thing happening. And so he looks at me and he says, listen, you, you, you don't belong with us. I'm stealing her right now. And he puts his arm around her and, and I go in the back with the cast to, to just talk to them. And he gives her the whole grand tour, you know, from where the helicopter would go from under stage up and, you know, standing on this, this stage that, That's angled. It has the 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 steepest angle. I forget the name of that. Um, the steepest angle in the business, you know.
0: A a helicopter? You said helicopter. Well, I mean, Miss
1: Saigon. Miss Saigon. Right, right, right. Right. There's a helicopter prop,
0: right? Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, There's there's four levels of stage props that move on a conveyor. You know, it's just the most amazing technology, uh, you know, in a Broadway show. And she's seeing all this, and then you know, I had told him specifically, let her stand in the center of the stage, and she did, and she does. You know I wanted to make her day that was my that was my purpose because I was so inspired and I had told the cast about her and when she met the cast they were like, "Oh you went on stage after your house burned down oh my god, you are like the poster child for for how the show must go on and blah 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 and so it was a really interesting thing but the thing is that each of these marriages that I had lasted a very short time and because they didn't want they figured out after a while it was too hard to be married to another woman for them because they were heterosexual too and they just i was just not i'm not i'm just not male in in, in so many ways i mean i tried like hell.
0: wow so far this conversation has been just so unbelievable amber was honestly a surprise to me i didn't know what to expect coming in and at this point in our talk i was already feeling goosebumpy and super emotional and really to be honest beating myself up for some of the preconceptions that i didn't even realize that i'd had until she started sharing her story next time we'll continue with the second half of this conversation and amber continues to like bring us on this journey, not just of her own transformation, but just of the super exciting life that she's had. And I don't want to give away any spoilers. All I can say is like, please trust me. You don't want to miss any of this. It is amazing stuff. We'll talk to you next time.